0: to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. With Felicity Collins. Hi, Felicity. Hi. (laughs) So, um, Felicity, I've got to get my facts straight here because I don't want to get confused with all the different levels and things and stuff going on. So, um, Felicity and I have been working together for Oh, probably about 18 months no maybe even two years now actually I reckon probably not yeah I think,
1: yeah I think it would be
0: yeah and in that time and beyond that so um Felicity's been in the European Championships for eventing um for a few years now so uh, 18 years was her first year as a junior that was in 2016 in 2017 she was a young rider she was 19 and then last year it was actually her last year in young riders um because this year it hasn't happened has it so um That was team gold though, so way to finish. Hey, Felicity, you know, go out with a bang.
1: Yeah, no, it was amazing. Um, Having previously won two team bronze, which was amazing, my first championship, obviously it was just, I was, I've been trying to get to a championship probably for about four years um and then finally being there i think i completely sort of forgot about the prospects of medals and um, so then when i won team bronze there i was so excited like to win a medal that oh my god i can't believe that. i actually won a medal um and then mill street 2017 first year in young riders so again wasn't necessarily expecting a medal so again that was amazing to win a young rider medal but then you sort of get to you know a bit further down the line you start expecting a bit more and then by the time we got into uh well we got to Mars and um last year and it was my last year in young riders um you know the the expectation was to to try and come out on top and um so that was amazing to to win team gold there and yeah and and the way it happened was really exciting as well so it was just like a dream week
0: so tell us a little bit more then about the way that happened and then we're going to get on to some other bits as well but you can't leave us
1: hanging on that one oh I know um so so basically we all uh jumped our individual rounds I think we were lying in team silver um and we were a fair way behind the French and you know the French are very good and they were all we thought were on really good jumping horses so we just tried to um, keep the margins as close as possible and jump as many clear rounds as we could Um, and, and we did that but they were still quite a way ahead and then I think one of their team members had two down another one had one down and then it came to the last round she was actually an individual gold as well so she was an individual gold and team gold and she had to have three fences down for us to win team gold and we were just like it's just not going to happen um and then she jumped the first fence and she had the second fence down and we all just went oh and then she had the third fence down and then we went oh my god and then we let her carry on ran she was just started jumping clear again and so I was stood there like oh my god this is so close but um, and I would actually admittedly I had had a rail down myself so I was at the point where I knew if she didn't have another rail down it would have been my pole that would have cost us the gold medal for the team so the emotions that were running through my head at that point were just crazy Um, and then she came into the last combination which was the treble and she jumped in and then it just went straight through the second part of the treble and we all just, where I've never, I've never been hugged so tightly in my life, everyone just like jumped on each other. But we were still silent because she still had to jump on the fence. But It was like this silent like hugging and it was amazing. And I just cried for about an hour. So, <laughs> so it was just, that's probably probably one of the best moments of my career so far. Even though it wasn't an individual medal for me, it was just incredible. And my, then my, it also meant obviously really sad for her but it also meant that our British teammates actually won their two individual medals off that last pole as well that she had so that one pole gave us one gold one silver and one bronze so wow and
0: that's awesome and it really can be that close an eventing can't it it can literally be a pole between you
1: all. yeah 100% um, and it's that's why it's so hard to get it right in this sport but when it when it does go right it's even more amazing so tell us a little
0: bit about then how you've come to be eventing at that level at the grand age of you're t- twenty one now, aren't you? I'm twenty two now. I'm getting oh, up. sorry. <laughs> I know. Last oh year my was, word! That's yeah, gone fast. <laughs> I
1: know. I know. One minute I was a teenager, and yeah, now I'm I'm a senior now. I'm not even a young rider. So yeah. So last year was your. Come the only classes that I can do now that are youth classes is under 25 so I'm hanging on to that <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so and last year was your first sort of proper year as a senior really wasn't it
1: well yeah I sort of um had a bit of a transition like alongside young riders obviously I was doing all the under 21 trials but I was also trying to qualifications for five star and step a lot of horses up so I mean I have been competing in senior classes you know since I was like 15 but um last year was kind of beginning to really rub up against the shoulders of the big boys and um that that uh, well would have helped me for this year if we would had any events but um but we hadn't and I actually did um get on my first senior team as well last year which was uh, a nation's cup team um out in Belgium and so that was amazing experience as well to ride on the senior team for the first time.
0: So that's incredible. Okay, so I did interrupt you when I was saying to you, tell us about your history. How how have you gotten to be where you are now at the age of twenty two?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I started adventing with a be when I was thirteen. So my thirteenth year. So you can start when you're twelve, but I didn't have the right pony. I had naughty nappy. Tricky ponies, so um, I I missed a year, which I was very upset about because I thought it was going to be the end of the world. <laughs> um, so started uh, with two ponies in uh, 2011, and they hadn't done eventing before. BE before, so took them from our first B 90s and finished the season with I think a couple of novices each and some really good results. And um, so that was my first year of eventing, and then my next year, 2014, I started doing pony trials. Did them for uh, 2014, 2015, 20, no, 2012, 2013, 2014, sorry, um, and then moved on to juniors, uh, actually had a bit of an overlap in 2014, um, a campaign in junior trials with a horse that I was producing as well, um, and then went through the juniors and the young riders, um, so that's sort of, yeah, my be history, but the reason I do event is because my mum did it, and I just was brought up around it, like I remember being Probably two or three, and like being underneath the horse that my mum had just taken cross country and claying its legs. You know, I was just always really involved. And like when I was a baby, my mum used to have me in the front of the lorry, like in a um, carry car seat, and like just take me along to events. So I've literally just grown up around it.
0: And so I know you've grown up around it, so you probably don't know anything else, but it always fascinates me. And the question I always ask people is so why do you do it? What's it all
1: about for you? Um. Well, when I was younger, um, I didn't necessarily want to be an event rider. I always knew I wanted to do something with horses. I think, you know, when you're a kid and you have those things, I think at one point I was obsessed, I had to be a hairdresser. That was at one point. I think I was like five or six then. Um, And then when I was sort of eight or nine onwards, I actually really wanted to be a vet. Um, And I wanted to do that until I was about 15. Um, And just before my GCSEs, I started sort of getting a lot more serious in the eventing um and that's when I realized that's what I really wanted to do and I was one of those sort of cliche people who I did used to lie in bed at night and honestly just fantasize and dream about jumping the last fence of a three-day and coming through the village, having won a medal having known that um you know I'd won or done well like that that feeling is just like euphoric um and that's sort of the what I chase and that's why I do it
0: And so you say you chased that so tell me about the first time that you actually experienced that then where were you and what was it when you went oh wow the dream it's happened that's incredible.
1: Yeah yeah so I know I can pinpoint exactly that moment Um, and that was at my first European championship um, in Italy in 2016 Um, and I was, I can't remember if I was uh, when I was to jump, but anyway, it was the show jumping. I jumped clear inside the time of cross venture the day before I was a seven-year-old and didn't really know what I was going to get on the last day. um, Knew that the margins were really, really tight that year um, and knew I had to jump clear to to sort of be in with a shot. Um, or keeping the team medal and um, yeah so jumping the last fence and knowing that I jumped clear, finished on my dressage score like that's all I had wanted to do for so many years and to do it with that horse as well it just like it just meant everything to me and I have a photo of it I have a photo of that moment and yeah I have it in a frame it's my favorite photo because it just encapsulates everything that um, I worked towards to that point.
0: Okay, cool. So having worked towards that and achieved that then, what is it then that made you carry on? Why didn't you stop at that point and go, oh, yeah, I've done it. Thanks very much. Dream tick. (laughs) Because most people don't even get to that, do they? Let alone go tick. Oh, next.
1: Yeah, um, well I think that's where the youth programs are really helpful because there's so much structure around it and it was just a natural progression so that was my last year in juniors and then I knew oh next year I'm in Young Riders so I want to be able to go up, get on the Young rider team, I want to be able to do that again um, and, and and do it even better um, <clears throat> so that's sort of what um, made me think yeah I, will. I want that feeling again and then I was lucky enough to have a pretty similar experience in Mill Street um, for the 2017, for my first Young Riders, um, and same thing, clear inside the time, cross country, knew that I had to jump a clear round and the same feeling jumped the last fence and he was being really difficult and that showed up around as well. And I thought, oh, I'm not gonna get this this time. And I just about, just about squeezed it and got him over the last fence clear and it was so. I actually, that was a bit of an out-of-the-body experience. I actually don't remember that one as well as I do the first one. I don't know why, I think I was more nervous for the second one than I was the first one. Cause I was like, oh, was the first one a fluke, you know? And is it gonna be the same? Uh, so, so that was, that was a bit strange, but I remember just, my God, like, yeah, the relief and, and you know, joy, so that was amazing um and then obviously won won the under 21s in that year as well so there's just there's always something to work towards and 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 it's always different it's not necessarily jumping the last fence of a championship um like I'm describing it can be you know coming through the finish on a young horse doing their first 90 like I've had really similar feelings just doing something like that so there's always little mini goals along the way. And with with different horses, it differs completely. I I could be thrilled to have one down with one horse doing something as just as much as I could be, you know, winning a medal with another.
0: So what do you think is behind that for you then that means that you're just as happy with that as you are with something bigger on another horse? So what does that mean it's about for you then, really? Because it's obviously not
1: about winning medals, is it? Like, that's a bonus. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just keeping perspective and it is just obviously a love of the horses and a want to get the best out of each horse. And, you know, I've been brought up riding... Quite a few different horses. I've been lucky to ride some really lovely horses and also some trickier ones. Um, and I've just always been taught by my mum to, uh, you know, just get the best out of each horse. And I know that I'm not going to ride, you know, if I've got ten horses to ride, not everyone's going to be a world beater. Um, but it can still be just as rewarding. And that's just that that's why I do it because because I, I love the horses and I love just being able to think yeah that was the best for them on that day and you can't you can't do any better than that so yeah
0: so I know one question that a lot of people ask and I hopefully we're now distilling this myth a little bit is that you know at the top level you don't get nervous now you know at the age you're at you've got to five star you did qualify five star that would have been the the plan this year wouldn't it yeah yeah and um you know I mean I know what the answer is to this but what's your thought on on nerves and how you handle it then especially when you're under pressure like at a european championships as a young rider you know what do you do what are your thoughts on nerves
1: so yes as you know i struggle pretty badly with my nerves um and i always have done um not really sure why i think it's just one of those things i i'm quite um i'm quite an intense person i think um you know when i want something i really want it um and you know, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I'm really lucky that I've always grown up with, although my mum's done it herself, she's never ever put pressure on me. She would never say, oh, why did you have that pole down? You know, she's completely supportive in that way. So I think people then find it a bit strange. to like, oh, why are you nervous? It's not like anyone's going to have a go at you if you don't do well. But it's completely, all, it's just, it's no one else but me. Like, if I don't feel like I've done well enough, then that's where the sort of the problem is. And um, so I just put that pressure on myself before I go out cross-country or show jumping. I think... I don't want to make a mistake, so that's that's where the nerves come from from make from fear of making a mistake really, um, and obviously it does differ the level of nerves over over different levels, different scenarios, uh, different horses. Had a championship. Um, I remember really clearly. Uh, again, at my first championship, I keep referring back to it because it was such a milestone for me, and I can remember it really clearly. Um, I thought I would be horrendous in the start box at my first championship because in all the trials before, because I wanted it so much, I wanted to be, I was like a quivering wreck, like all my trials, you know, it was like beside myself, sick, with nerves, terrified, like just felt, oh my God, I don't want to mess this up. But I had so much support around me at the championship that I was in that start box. I remember this complete feeling of focus. And I've, actually, I've never quite got close to it again before um but yeah it was I remember Caroline more my coach being there and she was just talking to me she was just saying you've got 30 seconds now and she was like you're right because she knows I get nervous so I just was like I'm absolutely fine but I just knew I had a job to go and do and the night before I'd written down a lot of notes about the course and um you know and visualized everything and that really helped me um so I think the support that that you have around your championship for me almost helps um more than if I'm doing a competition on my own um so so that's that yeah it, it does differ a lot and obviously if I do a lower level I'm usually a bit better because there's obviously less on the line but I can still be really nervous going around a baby's first 100 because I'm like oh I don't want to you know mess it up and give them a bad uh, experience or, or whatever so yeah
0: so it's good to for people to hear that you can be at the level that you're at doing what you're doing jumping understandably nerve-wracking jumps I mean you know um and yet still be nervous but the thing is you wouldn't be at the level you're at now if you couldn't switch them off and focus on the game so what is it that you do you could be that nervous in the start box what switches in your head that means that you then go and you get the job done I mean okay occasionally you don't like that's life isn't it but most of the yeah. time you get the get job done
1: um I think for me, again, it's that thing of not wanting to let the horse down, not wanting to let the horse down. So the only thing that helps me, like I can still be, they can be counting down from five and I'll still feel like I'm going to be sick. Um, But as soon as I leave the start box, I'm like, that's it. I'm on it now. I've got to help this horse. There is no way that anything is getting in between me helping out my horse, telling them where they've got to go or it's not fair on them um you know they they're excited they want to go they don't need me like jibbering about on top being like oh my god I'm really nervous so my best thing that I can do for the horse is just to to just go and be really positive and just get out there and just go for it um and then I the horse just the horses respond to that um but I I wouldn't say that I can cope with it very well until I'm out that Starbucks and going if I, I can be like I say in the warm up to the last minute being like oh my god I'm gonna be sick I feel awful this is terrible why am I doing this and then as soon as I go um then then I'm all right I just have to concentrate my breathing and make sure I keep breathing. <laughs> So that sounds to me like something
0: that we need to be looking at in one of our sessions, actually, because I wasn't aware <laughs> of that at this point in time, actually. That, um, so what what that says to me is that there is a trigger in your brain that says, now I need to be on my game. I've got to look after this horse and I've got to hold its hand and tell it what to do. And if we can move that trigger back a bit, further, yeah. that would be really handy. So we can do that. That's cool. Remind me in our next session. OK, <laughs> that would be
1: nice. I don't like feeling sick from the moment I wake up in the morning, especially if I've got cross country at four o'clock in the afternoon, because I just feel exactly the same the whole day until I'm out the start box. And then afterwards yeah. I'm just like, Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, we could work on that. I actually genuinely, sure. I don't think we'd ever even talked about it, to be honest
1: We've No, didn't I, did, I so many things. Sense. Yeah. I think I just said, Oh, I get nervous. And then we did lots of other bits and bobs.
0: <laughs> because it is, isn't it? When we're coaching, it's, it's whatever affects you um that's most important at that point in time isn't it it's not yeah. you know we can't always unless because you're a sponsored rider it works slightly differently to anyone who's on a package um you know they they get a set number of times that they contact me in a set number of things whereas
1: it's a bit more fluid with us isn't it so you kind of drop me a line and go give me some help with this and it's like yeah sure yeah and that's <laughs> so, what's that's why it's so good for me as well because I'm always so busy and you know sometimes things can take me by surprise and I'll suddenly be a bit worried about something that I hadn't even thought about and I just used to be like oh and this is you know two days before the event and you know if I can just drop your line I'll give you a call and that's that's why it's invaluable and that's what works really well for me. So
0: what would you say has worked really well for you having in your team so in what way have I helped in what way have your trainers helped what, what's your team around you and how do we all help you to achieve your best?
1: um well I think the really good thing about the people I've got around me like so my mum my trainer yourself um although you guys don't necessarily meet up and get together and you know chat about it all um I relay everything that's been said so I will talk to you obviously about my coaching won't I and we you know if I'm uh, you know, I've done some coaching that was good, or done some that I felt I wasn't quite so good, or something that I was a bit worried about, and then you know, then I'll go back and feed that back to, to Caroline, and then she helps me with it. And um, so it's just all about working together, really, um, because it doesn't really help if you're giving me all these brilliant things and I go and talk to someone else, and they're like, "Oh, why are you doing that?" Or you know, they say completely the opposite. So everyone being on the same page um, is has been what's been worked really well for me and being being invaluable for me. Um, so so yeah that's that's what I would say it's sort of the teamwork um that's that's the most valuable and really helps
0: and it is interesting that isn't it because we aren't a team in that we don't meet up and I do work with some people that way actually interestingly Mm -hmm. enough I will talk to their trainers and vice versa but actually you know it it doesn't definitely doesn't have to be that way if you're open enough to help us be your team then that's kind of you know you're you're in the middle managing us really that's how it, it needs to be isn't it for you to get the best out of what you need
1: yeah 100% because no one else knows what I need apart from me really um and as you'll probably know well like I've just said now you're like oh I didn't know that um so I can surprise people um and same with Caroline as well same with my mum and they're like I never would have thought you would be worried about that or thinking about that so it's just all about communication really um and obviously sometimes unfortunately it does get to the point um where you do have to get upset about something or stressed about something before you can deal with it but um you know it's, it's all part of the journey isn't it
0: yeah, and I mean, that's life. Like, um, I released an article only today that I input into for someone else, another another mindset coach about disappointment. And we both said that we might be experts in mindset, but it doesn't mean we don't get affected by this stuff. It just means that we're aware of it. We know what to ask ourselves. We could probably get ourselves out of it a bit quicker than some because we're just aware of the tools and techniques to do it. And that's what it's about. It's about helping you and sharing those with you. It doesn't mean you're never going to feel down upset depressed stressed or any of that kind of thing but Mm. it doesn't mean you're gonna be bouncing off the flipping walls all the time and like super positive Mm. and probably actually really annoying
1: (laughs) yeah no exactly
0: so what would you say are some of the challenges that you've had to overcome to get to where you are today because you know there is a perception sometimes that if you've been brought up by a mum who has done incredible things like she has and, and supported you the way she has and you kind of grew up into this, that it must have therefore been easy for you because it's just been given to you on the plate. Now we know that's absolutely not the case. So what are the, some of the things that you have had to overcome and, and deal with to get to where you are today?
1: Um, so um, I mentioned it briefly before about, um, you know, trying to getting to my first championship in 2016. it it took me a long time because I did do ponies for three years. um, And there's obviously championships for ponies as well. Um, And obviously in my first year in ponies in 2012, I wasn't gonna be in with a shot. I was on two ponies that maybe weren't quite suitable. And it was just an experience learning curve for me. Um, But as I dipped my toe in it that year, I then realized, oh, you know, maybe I need a different calibre of pony and maybe I really want to try and do this and do this team's thing. And, you know, I watched the 2012 Europeans um, at Fontainebleau and I remember watching and thinking, oh, that's, that's what I want to do. Um, so we then um, got a pony that uh, I think she'd done a few 90s um, and then another pony um, is sort of slightly similar. And then, uh, yeah, so I had to, I, I did have to, you know, produce those ponies really um to get them up to sort of the standard that they needed to be to be in with a shop of being selected for a team because these ponies are amazing. Um and so 2015 again I would say probably I wasn't quite ready maybe I wasn't expecting to be long listed. Um and then uh sorry 2013 I'm getting my junior years mixed up so pony year second to last pony year was 2013. Um, and then 2014 I kind of came out all guns blazing and we did have some like quite a lot of top three placings in the trials and you know I really thought I was in with a shot and then I did a double pair and came sick at the final trial and obviously there are six people that are picked and I think I think some of the ones in the top six were multiple riders so it's sort of like if you did it on that basis, it sort of looked very good. I mean my pony was a bit difficult in a flat but um, you know I really hope that, that that sort of would have been it for me so that was 2014 and I also, had been trialing a horse for juniors um, at the same time. And that was the year when they took 12 to Bishop Burton for the juniors. And there was a little bit of discussion about, obviously I couldn't do both. and They were fairly interested in my junior horse. And I kind of said, well, ponies, is my last year, I want to go for ponies. And then I ended up being reserved for ponies and not selected. And that, it really did break my heart at the time, Um, which obviously looking back now, it doesn't seem like such a big deal. And I've been to three championships and, you know, brilliant, like I'd much rather have done these than than that, if I had to choose. But um at the time it felt like the end of the world and it was really hard and um then obviously sold the ponies and um and 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 you are up against people who 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 do buy really good experienced horses and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but that sort of always felt like I was on the back foot a little bit. You know, I'd always be chasing to catch up, always sort of be like, oh, I finally got my horse a, a bit more improvement. And Then someone would come along they'd bought another horse that had already won medals, already done things, and it would go in and do a beautiful dressage test. And there's mine, which I'd like just about taught its shoulder in. And I'm thinking, oh, God. <laughs> um, so, you know, constantly felt like I was just fighting to keep my head above water and to try and compete with that level. And. Um, and yeah so then it all and then 2015 so my second to last year in juniors I was long listed for the junior team um on my self-produced horse I think he was only eight um and I didn't get selected again um and so I wasn't that I wasn't su- I wasn't surprised I remember the phone call and I wasn't surprised and I said oh, no, I completely understand that and he was great we had a long chat about why it was and what I could improve on and that was brilliant because he was really open um and but then I got off the phone and I did feel a bit down and I thought, oh, God, you know, I've got one more shot at this next year. It's my last year in juniors. If I don't do it now, I felt like I was never going to be able to do it because, you know, there were other people my age who had been on two pony teams, two junior teams were looking like they were set up to go into some young rider teams as well. And there was me. I hadn't even got to a championship yet. Um, and yes, yeah, so then when I finally got to the one in 2016. I had sort of three horses that were like, on the long list and could have gone and you know I've worked so hard to get them there but it was still I still didn't know it was like I still felt like I was fighting tooth and nail to get to it and I yeah and I remember the phone call getting it and saying that they wanted to take to take my horse I just cried on the phone for ages and poor Ginny who one of the selectors just thinking you're right lovey? you're all right lovey? I said like, I'm fine I'm really happy <laughs> so I am quite an emotional person but it honestly did feel like you know all those years of just like heartache and and hard work and literally just culminated in that one moment. So I yeah there's there's been a lot of um of things I've had to you know disappointments I had to get through um over the years and I think as you say being now 22 and looking back and thinking that was like five, six years ago, everyone's like, oh, you've not had any disappointments. You know, look at you, with your medals, you've won three championships. And actually, you know, it, it's not the case at all.
0: And so what do you think you've learned from that? Because I know you've definitely got a great mindset around, you know, you you, you think about something, you might be disappointed in the moment, you might be emotional in the moment about it or what have you, that's fine, we're all human. Um, but then you've got a great mindset about, right, what do I need to learn from that? What do I need to do about that? And I think probably having Caroline as a trainer is really helpful in that as well. And probably the way yeah. that your mum is, I would think, is very useful in that kind of like, okay, that fail fast get the feedback you know like a bit of a mistake there or something not quite right what am I going to do about it and I know certainly the way you come to me and you say I've had this issue or I've had this problem what do I need to do about it because you haven't got the answer at that point because it's in your brain or what have you you know so what what have you learned from those challenges do you think that have set you up to be the person that you are today
1: um well as I say I'm quite an emotional person and I obviously would be upset after an initial disappointment um And but then I'm the type of person that I'll let myself be upset for a day. And then if you see me the next day, I'm like, this is happening. And I I don't care. This is gonna happen. I'm gonna make it happen. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get on the team. I'm going to have that feeling of coming through the finish. And I don't care. Like nothing's going to stop me. Like it almost is that over the top. Like I'm so, I was so driven. Um and yeah, I, you know, I might at the first I think, oh God, what's the point? That's that's really disappointing. But after that was just like no i'm going to show everyone but it's just that like stone hard like just i just get my head down and i just go and and i don't let anything stop me so so i've definitely learned that if you want something you have to go and get it um and i think you know coming out of young riders that's something that i was a bit worried that i might lose because obviously there's not a specific goal to work towards like i'm going to go to that championship um so that's been a little bit of a shifted mindset that i've had to had to deal with and start thinking about obviously haven't been able to put it to practice quite as much because of um because of the lockdown and no competing but um i just want to really make sure that i don't lose that because looking back i don't think there are that many people uh, of that age. I mean, probably in eventing there are because we're all crazy. Um, but you know, in the general population, I don't think there are many people with that much drive. Um and and I think that is really important. I think that's that's why I've got where I am today. My mum's just my mum is a complete grafter and she's just taught me to be like that way. She was like, well, you, you just have to make it happen. Then she's like, do you want do you, if you want to go there, if you want to get selected, you just have to be better than everyone else. And how are you going to do that? You have to work for it. So
0: Wow, so you've got an incredible worth ethic and, and a steel lead determination. And do you know what? If you look at any of the top riders, then they've got that it sometimes it can be seen as selfish, but it, it's that mm-hmm. single minded I'm having this and nothing's gonna get in my way. And unfortunately that does mean sometimes you have to make sacrifices and things as well, doesn't
1: it? Yeah. I made a lot when I was younger as well. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this being horsey and I was always a person that would, you know, miss out on the parties at school and things, um, with the eventing, it's slightly different because we all would really make the effort to see each other. So, I can't deny that, um, that I didn't see my eventing friends, but um, yes, at school, certainly, like I I made a lot of sacrifices with friendships and things like that. And I missed my Leavers prom to go to Houghton for the championships. Um, I missed another prom, I can't remember when it was or something, I missed something else, <laughs> um, and there was just no question about it. And my friends at school used to always find it really odd and they were like, but this is really important. Why aren't you doing this? And I was like, well, it's not because I've got a competition to go to. And if I don't do it, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I I need to do it. So yeah. So they didn't really understand that. Um, And just, yeah, a lot of, a a lot of people when they're younger, you know, they just, they want to go out live a life. I didn't, I just was like, well, no, I need to ride my horse. (laughs) So yeah, a little bit sad, but then, you know, it all, it all paid off. And yeah, I'm, as I get older obviously I do want to have a little bit of a balance but but I have to appreciate that how I was when I was younger has got me to where I am now so
0: and so has any of that changed to where you are now that sort of or is that steely determination still 100% there
1: um I think it is still there but um as I say it's hard because I haven't um had it had a chance to put it to to action this year yet so you almost forget what it's like because I can't be like I'm going to go out to that competition. I'm going to try and go to that event and do really well. And I'm not going to let anyone, so I'm like, oh, there's no events. <laughs> um, so I'm certainly like still using it at home to train the horses. And I still do use it probably on a slightly lower scale every day at home with the horses and think, you know, right, I'm going to, you know, even when you're not feeling like doing flat work or something or doing dressage, I think, no, nope, I'm going to go and do it because it might be that marginal gain that means that I do a better halt in a dressage test. And then I might come one place above. And that's that's how my brain works. So I, so I do use it, um, even when I'm not realising, probably.
0: Yeah, I think you do.
1: <laughs> and and also,
0: that is perfect proof, yet again, with everyone that I have interviewed on these Q&As that have achieved incredible things, that steely determination that they have got a goal. That it, it means that they get up every day and they get on with whatever they've got to do. And it might be that some days that's a day off because that's part of the plan, that's fine. But every day, there's something that is helping them get towards that goal. It's not kind of thinking, oh, it'll come to me. It's I've got to make it happen. Yeah, 100%. So... What would you say then um, you're, you're doing during lockdown? So obviously there aren't events and things. So that's slightly different for you and for a lot of people. But you, you mentioned your training and stuff. What's changed for you as a result of lockdown and how are you
1: therefore keeping motivated? I mean, you kind of alluded to it, but but what more is there? Uh, so I sort of allowed myself to have a bit of a strange week I think when it was first announced and we knew were no, there were no events um, and that's something I got a lot better at uh, since working with you <laughs> uh, it's because before that would have been like oh my god I can't yeah I need to keep going I need to keep going I, need to keep going. And I was like I'm going to allow myself um, some time just to process because then I know that I'll come back actually with a better mindset on it all rather than just being completely frazzled by week three and not knowing where I am or what I'm doing. So, um, yeah. So then once I sort of got my head around it all a bit more, um, I have a weekly plan with the horses on a whiteboard that I write out every sort of Sunday beginning or beginning of the next week. Um, and so I went through it and I just started making a plan. And we obviously said, right, take out the fast work. So none of the horses are doing any galloping or any fast work. They're hacking, they're still doing the same length packs, but they're doing less trotting, just doing more walking. And it's more um, the older horses are doing more hacking, um, whereas the younger horses are perhaps doing a little bit more in the school um, because this is for them, it's a time for them to uh, learn a bit more and, and for me to really give them as much of my time as I can because I have got the extra time. Um, a couple of horses have gone back home to owners for the time being, which makes sense. Um, and actually, at the time that feels a bit strange and you think oh god that is you know how's that going to be um and actually you know everything has a silver lining it means that I have a couple less horses to work and I'm having more time to do other things um and the horses still have really good routine um and just the younger horses they might be worked five days a week now rather than six they don't need to worry about their fitness levels because they're not they are not going to go out and do a cross-country course and um with the older horses they might just swap what would have been a flat work or a jump session with a hack instead um, because they, they do know their jobs uh, obviously a little bit more um, and then some of the younger horses have had their shoes taken off and they are being worked barefoot where they are which ones are comfortable um, uh, and so so no we've got into quite a good little routine now and now I'm almost thinking oh my god it's going to be weird not being in that I've now this is my little lockdown life but I quite like it so <laughs>
0: So that brings me on beautifully to my next question then, which is, okay, let's say hypothetically lockdown starts to ease from next week, which, you know, there's an awful lot of um, information out there of credible source, which says that it's quite likely to happen. Now, we know that BE and the BEF are looking into what they can do to get competitions up and running, but we know it's not going to be anything quick. So with that in mind, what are your thoughts about how you're going to start coming out of lockdown? Because it's not going to be a sudden quick off to an event we go, is it? You know, I think some people think it might be, but I think most people in the know are realistic. I don't even know where half
1: my jobs are.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Can you fit into them? That's the, well, yeah, because you're still working. It's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: So I think, yeah, I think, again, it just depends on the information, doesn't it? It depends what we are allowed to do. I think sort of the next step um, for me would be if we're allowed to go out training a bit more I probably will just have to take the horses if we're allowed to go out on the lorry obviously and perhaps do a little bit more straight up schooling I'm more thinking of the younger horses again um, because the older horses don't really need to go out and practice skinnies or practice you know doing anything really specific um, you know maybe it might be good to I don't know hire a dressage ringer on grass somewhere else with the older horses we might do bits and pieces like that so still not necessarily the type of work and the type of fitness that we're thinking of and the type of preparation we're thinking about in the lead up to a big competition. But um, the younger horses, the one thing that they're missing out on, which they usually would be doing, is stuff like the cross country schooling um, and the show jump schooling away from home. Um, Because obviously there's plenty we can do in my school, but they get used to that um, and it's just good for them to go out and see see the world a little bit more. So that would be probably our first step Um, and um and go and go from there really and like you say just hopefully um if they are going to start getting things up and running again we just have plenty of notice not even in terms of getting the horses super fit because my top ones probably could pop around an oi tomorrow if they really had to you know um or in a couple of weeks maybe they are a bit fat <laughs> um and yeah so so they could do that but it's not really it's just the preparation in terms of mindset and Little things like you know, getting all the tack and the stuff ready and um, and planning planning as well the season because what why would I go out and jump around and know, why, like, where am I going, you know? So, I haven't really at the moment got any sort of thing that I am aiming for because I don't know anything about the time frames. And even if they start eventing in end of August or maybe in September or whatever it's going to be, that doesn't necessarily mean that oh, well, because the five star in France is in October, you'll be going to that, right? I'm thinking. Well, not necessarily, because that will only leave me two events before then, probably Um, a hell of a lot of fitness work to do. Um, And for that sort of level, you can't really go to that um, off off just sort of one one or two runs. So especially not for me anyway, I'm not experienced enough. Um, So... So that'll be interesting um, to see how that pans out. Um, I think for the lower levels and for the young horses, it's slightly different. They probably could go and pop around, you know, a 90, 100, and not exert themselves too much um, and get a few in at the end of the year, if that were the case. But with the older horses, it's going to be quite difficult to to work out sort of um, what, what we can get them to. So we'll just have to see.
0: Yeah, it is all very play it by ear at the moment, isn't it? But it's interesting to hear about your plan and actually the ones that you could take out that might be all right and the ones that you've got to consider a bit more and and having that kind of real sense of which horses need what, isn't it? It's really knowing them and so we've had one question come in we had another question come in which was about dealing with nerves at the top level but I think you already answered that before she gave it to us which is at the moment you don't you just get on with it um (laughs) sorry (laughs) that's all right we'll get to that one on another Q&A maybe I mean well I mean okay so just quickly like you do deal with them because you don't you don't collapse you you do do what you do and you do it very well so what is
1: it that you would say you do to deal with nerves your way at the moment we'll come up with a better one it's fine (laughs) <laughs> so I would just I would just say that if all else fails and you know you're feeling terrible you're feeling sick and you're feeling nervous I would just say out of everything else who needs you most right now is your horse it's not about you it doesn't matter how rubbish you're feeling you need to be there for your horse because it's not fair on them um, and that's not to put more pressure on you and for you to panic more but for me that personally makes me think right, yeah, it's not that I've I've got to get on with this because my horse doesn't know what's coming. I've walked the course, he hasn't, um, and I need to be on it. And it's not fair for me to be thinking, oh, I'm feeling a bit worried about this. I've put them in a position where I've taken them to an event. I've done the entry. Um, I'm saying, yeah, let's go and do this. I think you're ready. Um, So therefore, I've got to damn well get on and ride them. And So so that's how I kind of shake myself out of it um, a bit.
0: Cool I love that and that's what we call a perspective so there's all these different perspectives you can have and you take it from the perspective of your horse so you go well they need me I'm gonna have to be there for them like they can't do this on their own it'd be lovely if they could wouldn't it I think there's some that think they can okay so (laughs) another question for you then this has come from Evelyn from Louise Powell Uh, presumably you know Evelyn so the best anti- cool okay so the best anti-rushing exercises please that are suitable for lockdown so you might want to give us a bit of background as to the type of person you'll be giving this one to because we don't know who evelyn and louise are so she's asking for the best anti-rushing
1: exercises which does sound a good idea actually to be honest (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah, so Evelyn I teach as part of East Sussex Pony Club, um, and, and Evelyn comes along to the mini show jumpings, and Evelyn brought, um, yeah, her quite buzzy little mare last time, um, so I'm assuming that's who we're referring to. Um, so I would definitely say for that, um, try some poles on the ground, try some grids, try some bounces. So that means that everything can, can be kept really small, doesn't need to be too difficult. Um, and I would also say... Try practicing making a walk transition or a halt after you jump a fence so that your pony learns that he doesn't land and just run off with you. Um, and then once they start landing and coming back to you, hopefully, you'll be able to keep a rhythm and continue doing it and sort of take out the transitions as you go. Um, but try the poles, just even if it's just pole, one stride, jump, one stride, pole, or bounce, one stride, jump. And then make your walk transition doesn't need to be bigger than you know cross poles. So, so try that. Um, and then when we can get back to teaching, we'll have a look when you next come over.
0: <laughs> cool. Okay, Evelyn. So that's your homework to go off and do now, Louise. You can give her that. Um, okay. Another one that's come in. What was the hardest step up from ponies to horses?
1: Um, So what uh, I'm guessing they mean sort of what part of it. Um, For me it was the stride stride difference. Um, So I was quite lucky that I, uh, as I mentioned before, overlapped. So I was riding a horse um, and eventing a horse from aged 14 onwards um, and I was continuing with ponies until I was 16. So um, I was when I was sixteen. I was I'd be riding two ponies in a pony trial, and then I'd have another horse doing the intermediate and in the junior trial, um, and so that was that was fairly tricky. Um, you know, if you're on a pony and you're jumping around a novice cross-country course, it's not pony distances, so they do sometimes find it a bit long and have to chip in. And then I go and get on my horse and have to ride around in an intermediate. Um, and I'd think, oh God, no, my horse is meant to make these strides and meant to make these distances. Um, and so when I walk the course, I just have to be really careful with that. Um and and make a point of it in my head and think I'm not riding a pony. And Caroline Moore has told me this for many years, you're not riding ponies anymore. Uh, She has to say that to a lot of her pupils, I think, um, that she teaches. Um, But I would say if you are on ponies and looking to make that transition to horses, um, if you feel that it won't overwhelm you and confuse you too much, I would actually encourage an overlap um, because you get a little bit of a head start. And I actually think it would, from what I've heard from my friends who have ridden ponies, Uh, sold the pony bought a horse and then hopped on the horse that's actually been quite difficult for them um whereas i found the the chop change transition um although it was a bit tricky at times it helped me in the long run cool thank
0: you very much i think you've primed your pony clubs that you coach because we've got another question in here from netty i presume you know netty yeah yeah so the best exercise to help a horse who jumps
1: fences to one side oh yeah i need this one (laughs) (laughs) so uh yes i know um the horse that Netty's referring to and he does like to do that and he likes to jump out very far as well um so netty we need to get you some um guide poles some v poles so if he jumps to the right then a V pole on the fence on the right hand side and if he continues to do it the V pole move the pole up a bit so I'm trying to show you so the pole's on the um on it like this if he's still doing it move it up a bit so it's sort of and moves over as well so it pushes him out to the left a bit more if he's drifting right I can't actually remember which way he drifts um and what you could also try is a pole on the ground on the other side of the fence so as you jump the fence, you've got the fence here and um, put a pole on the landing side sort of there so that when he jumps and he wants to go right, he's got a pole there. Um, and you'd be amazed at how good they are actually at figuring that out. You, you'll feel like he's going to jump on top of the pole, um, but they don't often do that. I've been using that um, at home and that's actually really helped. So, yeah, try the guide pole leaning on the fence and also try one flat on the ground parallel as well
0: cool that's really awesome I think in my case it's straighten yourself up so you're not pushing him to the right all the time as well I think (laughs) that is also a good point that's yes exactly make sure you're sitting straight (laughs) Etty. okay another question in it was like quick fire questions now I'm loving this okay um what well presumably this is when you're not in lockdown because you've already said you don't do the gallop stuff at the moment but what kind of fast training do you do and do you do it on a gallop track or just in some grass fields
1: yes that's a really good question um I actually alternate it so um if um, for top level, uh, usually we do fitness work with the horses every fourth day. Um, we're talking for five star top, top level. Um, uh, sometimes if it's a lower level, maybe intermediate, so it might be every fifth day, just depends on the horse as well. So what I would do is on fifth day, I would take them up the gallops and um, I use Brightling Gallop. So anyone in Sussex, I recommend them because they are vertical. Um, so they are, you know, they don't allow the horse to go too far. So it reduces the risk of injury on their legs because if you've got a gallop that's a bit more of a flat line with not much of a gradient uh, it's likely that your horse is just going to take off with you uh, whereas if it's a higher gradient they can't go so fast and it's better for their legs so that's the gallops we use Um, usually go up them two three three times probably for the top top level um and probably two times sort of intermediate um so on the fifth day we do gallops and do that then on the 10th day i would then go into our fields at home, um, I'd take my stopwatch and I do um, either continuous or interval training. So I might do the top horses, it might be uh, four lots of six minutes, um, just sort of steady cantering up to the bridle um, and give them two minute breaks in between. Um, Again, that varies. It can be three lots of three minutes. It can be three lots of four minutes. It all depends on the horse and the level. Um, And then on the 15th day, I would. back to the gallops again so that's how i like to do it so just so that they don't get um crazy with going in a straight line flat out i think it's really important to use fields and grass as well if you can if you've got good ground um so that even with a little bit of an undulation if the ground's good that's actually really good for them because it makes you practice gear changing so especially if you've got a strong horse like i have Um, he then doesn't just learn to go straight line fast as he can he actually has to listen to me we uh, you know have to go up we have to go down we have to gear change and so it's fitness but it's also discipline for him so um, that's what I do with my horses.
0: Okay and a follow-on question from that then is if you've got a gallop with an incline in it um, how do you introduce that incline to a horse that's maybe a little unfit or you know isn't at the peak and is competing down at the real lower levels as well?
1: Yeah, so that's also a good question, um, and it's really important because um, if you're newer to the sport or, like you say, moving up the levels or starting just starting your canter work, I think a lot of the perception is, oh, I'm at the gallops, I need to gallop flat out up this slope once, twice, three times, whatever you've been told or think you should do. Um, but we often trot up them um, first time, uh, especially with young horses, and often that's enough if the gradient's enough, like at Brighton. You trot up those gallops once, and you're on a baby that that would probably be more than enough for them and something I sometimes do um, if I don't want them to go up three times but I think they need to have just a little bit more of a pipe opener I'll just go halfway down and turn back round and go up um, just halfway Um, and it's just really it's just important not to overdo it because at the time the adrenaline runs with the horses as well so they'll gallop up there flat out they'll Uh, puff and they'll cool down and then they'll be like ready to go again you think oh you know I'll go up three more times and actually that's just the adrenaline so don't be fooled at you know how hard they are working um and and try not to overdo it too much because you probably would be surprised um at just how fit it does get them depending on the horse
0: and so how often would you incorporate that into your work if it was on site for instance you could get to it
1: super easily um well i suppose if you were hacking uh you could incorporate like your trotting for your hack maybe you would then trot up the gallops once um in as part of your hack um and then you know another part you might do your one canter session a week um again depends on the horse probably if you're at, probably if you're at 100 to novice level you probably would only need to sort of to can to work once a week or once every six days. Um, and then you might, but it just depends on the length and the incline, but you might want to go up that once or twice. Um, but yeah, this, like you say, you don't always have to gallop that out. Up a gallop. Even if you walk up it, if it's a really steep incline, you walk your horse up the gallop three times, that would be really hard work for them. Um, so you could just have use it as like a, a slightly more um, gym gym session of a hack um, and, and and put it in that way.
0: Cool, so you don't really have to do very much then to start getting them fit in that respect at all. I mean, I think some people think you've got to hammer them around all the time, but once a week, every
1: other week, something like that is enough. Yeah, I've been really brought up on the fact that you, you don't necessarily need to hammer them. It's actually, um, fitness-wise, a lot of people forget that actually walking and trotting does does aid fitness a lot. I mean, my mum competed when there were roads and tracks, so if anyone knows about getting a horse fit, it would be her, and actually she's quite... Um, she doesn't really like the gallops that much because she thinks it just gets them sort of a crazy fit. Um, for some horses, that's good. Some do need to really get their adrenaline up and go for it. Some don't so much. Um, so I, I would just say that also, if you're schooling, there's no reason why. Like with my youngsters, they won't start going up the gallops until they are doing a new format, two-star, probably. Um, because I can do most of their fitness work in the school, just cantering around. Even if you have a schooling session, you think, oh, I'm going to do... Uh, you know make sure 20 minutes of my schooling session is cantering be surprised it does get them fit just schooling them so don't think that oh my goodness I'm going eventing I need to do gallop work um, no you don't need it
0: <laughs> super okay um, Nettie said thank you very much as well by the way I think that was to the jumping left thing wasn't it <laughs> you're welcome Nettie <laughs> she's gonna she says she'll let you know how it goes okay Oops. so a really really quick one I've got two questions left for you so how do you cope with the hard ground at competitions at the height that you do
1: Okay, really interesting. Um, So, obviously, we do have um, grounds work that's taking place at events. So, they water it, um, they spike it, um, they aerobate it, um, so, sort of spikes it and then pulls the ground up a bit, I think. Um, And obviously, then they water it as well. So, there's a lot of work that goes in. Um, to these events to get the ground good, because as we all know, um, and as the events that are due to run um, sort of May, June, July, August, um, they're gonna be the events that have to work the hardest on their ground because um, competitors won't run their horses otherwise. So um, I often uh, choose my events on you know, my knowledge of past, um, of, of when I've been there in the past and what the grounds usually like. Um, and then I'll get there and I'll walk the course. And, and you know, sometimes they do all they can to the ground and it's still just firm, just because we've had you know crazy hot weather or whatever it, it might be. Um, and depending on what the horses are doing next um, and where they are in their season plan, I might decide not to run them cross country, I might decide just to show jump them because obviously it's um, you know a minute and a half um, and jumping you know fences on flat ground, no drop fences, all that sort of thing. Um, whereas cross country is obviously a lot more strenuous uh, with all the drops um, and just depends on the horse as well. So, um, I've got a couple of horses that uh, we put pads on their front feet, um, just literally as a precaution when it comes to, uh, come to the summer, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, it prevents them from going lame or anything. We just, they're just more comfortable. They just seem to perform better with it. So that's always something that we consider if I feel like a horse is perhaps struggling um, in that time of year um but yeah it's just it's just about knowing your horse really and thinking you know oh my horse likes wet ground you know perhaps you might give him a mini summer break rather than give him the whole winter off and uh just pick your events carefully and just um think about the longevity of the horse and think well perhaps maybe you don't need that run that day um if the ground isn't quite how how you think it sh- is should be for your horse so
0: cool and I think what's lovely to hear is that your ethos your training methodology who you have around you and everything is very much based on what we know is very important to you which is your horse's welfare like everything is always for you it's always the horse isn't it even how you deal with nerves you deal with it by thinking I've got to help my horse it's about my horse everything's about my horse and I think it's lovely to hear that that actually even with a real competitive drive and you know wanting to achieve things it's about ultimately it's always about your horse isn't it
1: yeah 100% um and and obviously I have been brought up on that as well but I would say I'm even more pro it's like I can get um a little bit the other way with it as I've obviously spoken to you about before and I almost get so worried about my horse because I just obviously have such a partnership with them and you know really have a have what I feel is like you know a deep connection with them and I would you know I just feel like I'd never forgive myself if something happened to them because of something that I did so that's why that's what makes me strive to be as good as I can because then I know that I can you know if I've just got that extra bit of knowledge and I can just pull the rein a little bit that way use a bit of leg that way I might be able to make it easier for my horse and that's that is just what it's all about for me and you know all of my horses are just they are like pets (laughs) is I shouldn't say that as a professional but um no I do I do just adore all of them
0: cool well thank you so much Felicity it's been absolutely fascinating um and thank you to everyone that's asked some questions I think the pony club came out in force for you
1: um
0: (laughs) so if anyone wants to get hold of you or ask you any more questions obviously if you're listening to the replay or you're watching this on the replay you can put the question into the replay um if you listen to this on the podcast how can they get hold of you if they want to ask you a question or maybe put you for a clinic when we're allowed or anything like that
1: Yeah, so um, I'm fairly active on Facebook. So my page is Felicity Collins Eventing. Um, And then I've got an Instagram account, which is the same, um, Felicity underscore Collins underscore eventing. Um, And those are probably the two main platforms that you can get hold of me on. And also I've got my website, which is www.felicitycollins.co.uk. So very easy to remember.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sure. And, you know, outside of lockdown, you do also coach, don't you? You help out different pony clubs. You're based down in East Sussex. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Um, And so... And, and you've got a couple of livery spaces, I understand, for when we're allowed out of this. Is that
1: right? Well, actually, they've already been filled. So they're oh, on. Uh, that was quick. Yeah. yeah. So they're, um, they're, we are actually full up on DIYs, but um, I've always got sort of space for schooling and competition deliveries and and things like that. Um, but yeah, and lots of coaching as well. And I'm sure um, as soon as we're able to do that again, I'll be having my diary open and, and getting back into it all. <laughs>
0: Cool. Well, thank you ever so much, Felicity. It's been lovely listening to you and hopefully a lot of people have realised that you doesn't matter whatever you're at, you it's all the same stuff going on, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> Take care. See ya. Bye. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you want to listen to more of them, then please do follow us in Apple, in Google and on Podbean hack your mindset with jenny is the name of this podcast so please do subscribe follow us and we look forward to you listening into our next one bye everyone